everyone and welcome back to the Real Positive Real Podcast with me, Sabrina. This week's topic is we're talking about I'm an overcomer, which every single one of you are. And today's episode is talking about overcoming self-harm. So it's a pretty heavy episode. I definitely want to put that disclaimer out there. So just so you're aware, this is a pretty serious topic. So today is a big day for me. Today, I'm going to share with you some parts of my personal story with cutting, which is considered a type of self-harm. And as you may have guessed it, today we are speaking about self-harm, as I already mentioned. And self-harm is something I do not hear a lot of people speaking about. You know, it can be really difficult for people to share their stories with self-harm due to fear of judgment or misunderstanding what they are going through because it's not very, like, you know, no pun intended, cut and dry why people turn to self-harm as a way of coping with what they are going through. It's different for everyone. It's different depending upon what what you are personally going through and, you know, just the struggles you're facing. And it can be so tough for those wanting to help someone that is struggling with self-harm because you aren't sure what you should do or say or even how to ask the person how you can help. You know, it can be kind of an awkward situation. I feel like in general with most uh, mental health issues that you know someone is struggling with, it can be really hard for you to, you know, figure out how to encourage them and what to say to them to offer your help. And because you, you have this fear of not wanting to say something inappropriate or stupid or something that will... Um, and I don't mean stupid, I just mean like something that you would feel really awkward about. I forgive me, I didn't mean that. Um, something that you feel you don't want them to take it the wrong way, right? You don't want your intentions to be miscommunicated. Um, so it's just so tough. I feel like it's tough on both sides, right? So now, just in case you don't know what self-harm is, let's chat about it for a moment. So self-harm is the act of hurting yourself on purpose due to not knowing how to handle your current circumstances, your current emotions, your current struggles, your issues, whatever the heck you are going through. And most times this is done in secret due to the fear of backlash and thinking others will not accept what your reasons, thoughts, and feelings are about with with regards to self-harm. A lot of times this is definitely something where you will cut in secret and you'll cut in a place where clothing will be able to cover it. Um, and I want to stress that so much. It's generally done in secret. You're not telling anyone about it. You're hiding any evidence that you're doing it and you're hiding any scars, generally, mostly. Um, and self-harm can be seen in a number of ways of like how it's done. Um, some people might burn themselves, you know, uh, you could do, do it with cigarettes, you do it with a lighter, or you could do it with like the car lighter um, from like a car, like, you know, the little plug-in one, um, or banging or scratching yourself, you know, banging your head or your body against something, scratching yourself, cutting, which is something that I am very familiar with, so that'd be cutting with like scissors or razor blade or just something that's really sharp, um, eating or drinking things that are dangerous, um, you know, like poisons and things like that, overdosing on meds, so taking too many pills of something, or not letting wounds heal. And I mean, when I say wounds here, I mean like actual wounds like on your body. So if you were cutting 
you were burning or whatever it was and then having those wounds and then not letting them completely heal up and picking at them and opening up and continuing essentially to cause yourself pain, physical pain. And just to get a perspective on who might engage in self-harm because I want to make sure that everyone listening that's interested has as much information as possible so that if you do know someone in your life or you discover, you know, down the road, someone that might be struggling with this, you kind of are aware of some warning signs and who would do that and how they would do it to better understand the situation. So, um, so who might engage in self-harm? It's a variety of people. So there isn't just one type of person that might practice this behavior. You know, people dealing with depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, which is something that I struggle with, um, eating disorders, all of them could potentially, uh, seek self-harm. Uh, those that are in prison, definitely. Um, a veteran of armed forces, a lot of times you know if they're suffering from PTSD or other issues. Someone that has lost someone due to suicide because you just feel so much pain from that loss, you want to hurt yourself as well. Not necessarily have the desire to take your own life, which I want to point out, just because someone is cutting or hurting themselves physically does not equate to suicide. It doesn't or having suicidal thoughts. They could have those in addition, but it's not It's not a one equals one, or one plus one equals two. It's not an equation like that. It's not how it works. Um, the last um, variety of person I want to share with you is a survivor of emotional, physical, or sexual abuse because they've had pain done to them. They're doing it back to themselves. That's what they're used to. Again, it is a coping mechanism. Now, you may be wondering why someone would engage in this behavior, and I'm going to list a few reasons why, which is different for everyone again, you know, all mental illnesses and all mental struggles, um, you know, affect people differently. And I will note that a lot of times within the research, uh, self-harm is not directly connected to being a mental illness, uh, but it's definitely a struggle with your mental health, so you know what I mean? I'm going to list a few reasons why, which is different for everyone, and obviously this isn't a conclusive list. It's not. You know, you can go to Google and find more to add to this list. So, uh, reasons why. Trouble dealing with strong emotions, punishing yourself for things you'd categorize as mistakes, to distract or get relief from your personal pain, and even to show someone how much pain you're in, which does break the commonality that this is practiced in secret. Um, it can also be used to have control over one aspect of your life, especially if you feel like everything is spinning out of control and you just need one thing that you can count on that you know you're in charge of. It's the cutting. Um, or it's the scratching. Or it's the burning. Or it's whatever they choose to do. Before I talk about what can be done to overcome this behavior, if you are struggling with it or you know someone that is struggling with it or possibly, I want to share my own experience with self-harm. I want to be completely open and transparent and authentic with you guys uh, because it is something that I went through and I want to share it with you because it could help someone else that has struggled with it. It could help you understand why people do it and I think more people need to know because so many people assume that it's done to get attention, and it's not. Because as I mentioned, and as much, much, much research mentions, it's generally done in private. 
and cut where no one can see, where you can just cover it with your clothing. So, you know, obviously that equates to not doing it just to get attention. So, okay, I am, I'm happy to share it with you guys. Um, I started cutting in college after I came back from visiting my father for winter break during my freshman year. It was the first time and last time I went home to visit during college because the experience I had with my father was very, very bad and it came to a breaking point. You know, there was a lot of, there was a really big physical interaction and I was just done. I was just over it and like terrible things had happened like previous to that in my whole childhood growing up, but that was just like the last straw for me because I'd actually like left my house, experienced a whole new life at college because I went to college out of state and come back to this crap and I was like, no, no, we're done here. So I started cutting because I was struggling with how I was feeling about what had happened during my home visit, all the pain and burden I had from my childhood. And I was in my first year of college, so I was already pretty vulnerable, stressed, trying to figure out life out on my own, you know, even though I was super excited to leave my home and try something different and go to college and meet new friends and blah, 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 get on my adult life. It was still a lot to handle, as with most people. However, I knew, I knew I needed help and was open to that because I was in school to actually become a therapist. I was studying child psychology, also a minor in youth ministries because I wanted to be a youth pastor as well. So I was very aware of like counseling and therapy and I was totally open to it because it's what I was studying. I was like, yes, this is such a healthy, necessary thing. Um, but I also wanted support from my friends. You know, I'd made some good friends by this time. So I, you know, I have a very vivid memory of taking the things I was cutting with to a friend and asking them to do something with it. You know, I had like um, some scissors and some razor blades and I was like, okay, I just, I need someone to take these things or I'm just going to continue to use them. I can't throw them away for myself because I can't trust myself to actually throw those things away. And I remember, like it was yesterday, the confusion on their face. Confusion on my friend's face when I gave these things to her and I was like, here, I need you to take them. I'm having a problem. I really need your help. And not understanding what I was trying to tell her. Um, I was going through and she didn't even offer anything to help me she didn't and she just I I you know in hindsight I'm thinking she just didn't understand she was confused she's probably scared worried um, and probably had never encountered anything like this in her life and I know that because I know I knew her so well and I thought we had a bond deep enough that I could share that with her and that was really hard for me because I do have a fear of abandonment so me like pouring all out to her it just it was really sad to realize that it just the help and the connection wasn't there for me with her um i also sought counseling which was helpful it really was but the worst of it of the cutting situation happened later because once i got counseling and i gave all that stuff up and um honestly i told my boyfriend who is now my husband what was going on and he he, he, he convinced me to stop. He, he convinced me to stop, which was good. Um, so I was fine. I thought I was fine. I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, and 
typically young people, you know, teenagers, and, you know, I could say people in college are still young people, are more typical to engage in this behavior. Um, it's not to say that adults don't do it. They definitely do. It's just more widely seen in teenagers, you know, younger people. So it was very typical and no surprise that I had engaged in this behavior. Um, but the worst of it was about seven or eight years ago from now, um, when I had been cutting in secret because I was stressed and overwhelmed with our current life, my husband and I and our daughter. And, you know, I just got so upset and ended up cutting myself in front of my husband. It was traumatic for both of us. And, you know, how I mentioned, people don't do this for attention. And they don't because I had been cutting in secret for so long. You know, even when I was in college, I was doing it in secret until I realized I needed to stop and I sought someone's help and gave them the stuff. But this was the first time I had ever done it in front of someone and it was because it was like a cry of help for me. I was just at my wit's end and honestly, I felt like I was just kind of out of it. I was just like overwhelmed and I couldn't, um, I remember at the time I couldn't get him to understand what I was trying to share with him and you know, I had a knife in my hand I just did it times on my forearm threw the knife into the kitchen I was standing on the stairs which if you can imagine we had lived in a little townhouse and there was like the front door which you could turn and go straight up the stairs or you could take a, a little bit step to the right and then walk into the kitchen it was like one of those small ones and so I was able to um, you know see the kitchen from the stairs and I just threw the knife in the stairs are in the kitchen from the stairs and I just ran upstairs and it was super traumatic for him, uh, for me too, but it was really scary for him. He didn't know. He didn't understand what was happening. So it took, you know, it took a, a family and friends intervention type situation as well as therapy to get things back on track. Um, and this intervention is important because self-harm self is very addictive. You know, once you start, you can't stop. It's really hard because of the way that it makes you feel, the way that makes you feel. Not anyone else, but it makes you feel, makes you feel in control, makes you feel pain, so it distracts you from your other pain. You know, it, 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 it's a coping mechanism to get through those hard things. It's a way to punish yourself when you think that you've done wrong things or mistakes. It's a myriad of things for different people, depending upon what you're going through, as I've mentioned many times. But yes, it's very addictive. So... Yeah, that is my struggle with cutting. I haven't cut since then. I can't tell you that I haven't thought about it in times of high stress. But since then, I've have done a lot of work in counseling to um, be more on top of what's going on in my mind, what thoughts I'm letting, you know, go through there and stay there and, you know, live there as opposed to before where I would just let those thoughts in, those cutting thoughts, and let them control me and take all my power and think that I needed that activity. Um, but yeah, so that was it. And I haven't done it since, and I feel really proud about that. So, um, okay, well, before we get into me giving you um, a few suggestions, which today is just going to be three, on how you can overcome self-harm, we are going to talk about the five minute reset. So if you're having a hard day, if you're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, if you feel like you just wish that this day would be over or so many things have already come along in your day to kind of feel like if you ruin it, you need to try the five minute reset. 
Five Minute Reset allows you to reset, reboot, restart your day right then and there. You can draw a line in the sand and really decide that the first part of the day or whatever you're drawing the line is not going to drag into the rest of the day or the day after, you know, that'd be terrible. You are just going to stop and be like, okay, I am starting a fresh day right here, even if it's at the end of your day, even if it's right before bed. You know, at least you're releasing all that crap before you go to sleep so you're not worrying about it all night. Um, and then, yeah, you just reset yourself. So it allows you to take a break from any issues or burdens you might be having, come up with resolutions for problems and issues you are currently dealing with. I always encourage everyone to make a list of at least four things you are grateful for, big, small, medium sized. You know, you can be grateful for, you know, finding a new favorite flavor of soda, being able to have a really good dessert, calling friends on the phone and getting in touch with them, um, or getting to work overtime at work because you need the extra money. You can be grateful for literally anything and everything. It's never ending. You can always have a four things to be grateful for. So do that. And then last but not least, make sure that you're feeling at least neutral, if not positive about the rest of your day, because, you know, focusing in on your gratitude and the things that are blessings in your life and positives, hopefully will help you shift your mindset and your perspective and realize that by spending more time in the positivity realm than the negativity, it'll help you get through those negative times you may be experiencing. But I do hope you're having a good day. The five minute reset is always there for you. So let's chat about some suggestions that can help you overcome self-harm if you are struggling with it or you know someone else that is. So these three are very straightforward. The first one is to find someone to confide in. So whether that is a friend, like I did, or a spouse, like I did, <laughs> or um, a family member, or even a professional, which honestly, just so you know, you will have to seek a professional for this. I feel like it's absolutely necessary because, you know, friends and family are great. Spouses are great. Partners are great. Uh, family's great. They are all great. But I do not believe that they are going to be able to give you the sorts of questions and thought processes you need to understand why you're doing it so you can fully overcome it. So you need to find someone to confide in. It's nice to have a friend or a family member or whomever to confide in and have someone that you feel like is your buddy through this, but you will still have to seek professional help. Uh, the second one is to figure out what triggers you to hurt yourself. So is it a certain type of stress or situation that happens? Is it when you have a certain encounter with someone? Um, is it when you, you know, spend time looking at yourself? Is it, is it all about your self-worth or your image or all that? You have to figure out what those is, you, those things are. You have to figure out what those triggers are. Um, so that you can be aware when those things happen and you need to find a different way to uh, distract yourself from wanting to heart yourself, you know? You need to be able to um, wean yourself away from having those thoughts. Um, and like I said, I still even have the thoughts from time to time if I'm at high stress levels, but you need to be able to understand what is triggering that and that that is not an option you can, that, that is no longer an option that you can take. So by being aware, more self-awareness, it's a beautiful thing. It'll help you get through it. And then the third one is to find new ways to cope. So in addition to figuring out the trigger and you're like, okay, this thing is going to trigger me. It's about to happen. You need to find a different way to cope. So uh, one of the most classic ways to do that with self-harm is to have a rubber band on your wrist 
And when you want to cut or hurt yourself or burn yourself or whatever, you will snap the rubber band because I know this is podcasting, but I'm like over here demonstrating and no one can see me. But um, you take a rubber band, you snap it on your wrist because it gives you that little quickness of pain that you were looking for, but it's not actually going to hurt you. And that is, you know, a temporary thing. You won't necessarily do that forever. Maybe you need to, but it's a different way to cope. Or maybe you want to go for a run, get some sort of movement in your body. Maybe you need to engage in another activity that will fully distract your mind and help you refocus um, on something else completely so that you don't fall into old behaviors. So find someone to confide in. You will have to seek professional help figure out what triggers you, and find your ways to cope. So I hope this episode helped you. I hoped that it was beneficial to hear someone else's story. I want to end with the fact that I need the world to know and understand that for me and anyone else that has struggled with this or is struggling with it, this is not about seeking attention. It's not. It's the most common um idea or theory or rumor about self-harm, but that's not what it's about. It's about a coping mechanism. It's about inflicting pain on yourself to distract yourself. It's about control. It's not about getting attention. I don't understand where those came from. Probably the anomalies of people out there like talking about how they do that um, or showing people, but I'm telling you, it's generally something that's done in secret and you need to understand that it's not just like people terrible people doing this, you know, trying to do it for cloud or something. No, no, they're doing it for whatever reason they're doing it for, well, for, and they're, they are struggling and they need help. I needed help both times. So I need you to know that and I need you to pass it along to anyone you know, because I'm so sick and tired of hearing people say how it's attention seeking. And I'll leave you with a brief story. Just a quick little anecdote. I was on social media and a lot of times um, I just like to browse and leave nice comments and kindness comments for people that are kind of in the same space that I dwell in. Mindset, mental health, you know, women supporting women, those kind of things. And I accidentally uh, stumbled across a post where someone was saying that people that did harm themselves were insensitive idiots and they used the word, the R word. You know, I don't even want to say it, but it's like, it's, it's alluding to someone with a disability. And I was so upset. I was just like, this is so insensitive because they painted themselves as someone that was super sensitive and so super smart. And since they were sensitive and smart, um, and they didn't harm themselves that everyone else that did it was a terrible person and that they weren't smart and they weren't even, um, deserving of attention or anything and that they were only doing it for attention seeking. And I, and I shot back in a nice way. I was like, don't you think this is a little judgmental? You may not understand what they're going through. I think that you should like widen your perspective. It might be beneficial to you. And they fired back shots so terrible. I had to actually report a couple comments and then a couple other people came up under me and they're like, yeah, we're going to report too. And they got taken down, thankfully. I was glad Instagram was quick about that. But it just got me so infuriated that this person, which I'm sure there are other people out there, that just have this judgmental attitude and think that people that engage in this behavior are just terrible garbage people, which is not true. So, that's all I have to say about this. But please, if you have questions, comments, concerns, 
anything about this topic, you are welcome to DM me, you know, check the show notes below, DM me on Instagram, send me an email, I will happily talk to you about it, and I'm very open and transparent about everything that I've gone through because it's important for people to know that other people are struggling, other people know what you're going through, and are also willing to help you get through your struggle. So um, that's it for this episode, and I hope you come back to listen to the rest of the episodes uh, for this topic. I am an overachiever.